we are in this series, uh, week five of this series, uh, called Forward in Faith. And we've been taking a, a little bit of a journey through the book of James this, during this five weeks, during this month plus, uh, and just looking at characteristics of mature faith. What does it look like to have a mature faith? What does it look like in our lives if we are going to be the kind of people that, that Jesus is calling us to be, if we're going to live the kind of lives that Jesus is calling us to live here on the earth? What kind of characteristics do we need to see in our faith? And so we've been looking through this book of James, and we've talked about how faith perseveres, how faith obeys, how faith uh, acts, right? We talked about last week how faith, faith acts. It doesn't just, it, it does something. And we talked about how faith loves as well, and, and loving on the widow, and loving the orphans. And uh, that we've, we've kind of made our way through the first two chapters of James uh, and I want to start this morning uh, by, uh, there's, a theme, there's a theme that you should have been getting here, right? That James is kind of talking about how, how what you do with your life matters. It's not just about what you think, it's not just about what you believe. There has to be some sort of action, there has to be some sort of, of, of life change in your life for the faith to really be true. And so this week we're going to kind of continue on this theme and talk about a faith that speaks a faith that speaks. Words have power. I think we all know this. I think we all know that words have power. Uh, I, I, some of us have had firsthand experience with the power of words, right? I, I can still remember this. This time uh, I was young in my youth ministry. I was uh, invited to come and speak at a camp. Uh, and uh, I was speaking to about 100 teenagers at this camp. Um, and I will still, I'll never forget this time. There was a a woman there named Kristen Farley. It was on the Arizona district. I was a youth pastor in Phoenix at the time. Uh, and I went up to speak at this camp. And, and before I went up, I was just in the back and I was praying. Uh, and I was praying for my, for my sermon. I was praying for the kids that I was going to speak to. Uh, remember, this is early on in my ministry. I'm kind of, uh, I'm new to this whole speaking thing. I don't really, I'm still kind of getting a grip of what it means to speak to teenagers, what it means to speak the gospel to people. And so, so I'm praying in the back, and, and all of a sudden I feel this hand on my head, and I look up, and it's this woman. Her name is Kristen Farley. Uh, and Kristen just begins to pray over me and pray blessings over me out loud. Right? And she, she was just praying that, that God would bless my ministry, that God would bless not just today, but my family forever, that God would, God would, God would use me in ministry, that he would just so powerfully put his spirit in me that I would be able to proclaim the gospel powerfully and boldly from now forward. And I looked up, and I, I, at this point, I'm just like, I'm just crying in the back because this is, I needed this. I needed someone to do this. And, and she looks at me, and she just said, God, I, God wanted me to bless you this morning. I'll never forget those words of, of blessing and those words of encouragement that Kristen gave me on that day. That, there's, there's a power in words that have the, the power to, to really change our lives for the, for the better, right? But there's also power in words that goes the other way as well, right? We've all said some things that we shouldn't have said. And maybe someone has said something to you that maybe they shouldn't have said, and it changed the way that, that you looked at your life. It changed the way that you looked at things. It changed the way that you acted. It changes the way you live because someone said that. And that, I don't know if that's true or not, but man, if they said that, then it must be true, right? I, I'll give you another example from my, from my ministry in Phoenix. One of my, uh, one of my first experiences with, with people in Phoenix 
I was uh, in my office. I walked into the office on a, on a weekday morning, and I was wearing shorts and a polo shirt, and I was wearing sandals. And I walked into the office, and I was working in my office, and, and someone came into my office, and they just said, I want you to know, you're dressed very unprofessionally today. And they went on, and they said, if, if someone was to come to the church, and they were looking for a pastor, I wouldn't tell them that you were here. And I thought, wow. I looked down, and I thought, polo shirt, shorts, sandals. What am I wearing? She said, you're wearing sandals. You shouldn't be wearing sandals. I was like, Jesus wore sandals. Like, come on now, you know? Like, I'm not. <laughs> but it was these words. It was like, I, would, I wouldn't even tell them you were here. If someone was looking for a pastor, I wouldn't even tell them you were here. And it just, I, it broke me that day. It was one of those days where I went home and I thought, maybe I'm just not cut out for this then. Like, if it's going to be like, I can't even wear sandals, like, maybe this just isn't for me. Like, God, I, maybe. Maybe you made a mistake. You need to call someone else because I just straight don't understand this, right? I think, not only do I think she's wrong, I think this is ridiculous, you know? And so maybe I'm just not cut out for this. And those words, I still, even today, I was was talking this last week. I I had the opportunity to go down to Anaheim for a little bit this last week uh, to give a report on Elevate, the event I run every May down in San Diego. And uh, ironically enough, the... The district president, the youth district president from the Arizona district was on my youth staff at that church in Phoenix. And uh, as soon as I saw him, all those memories just, just flooded back. And I had, I had this thought of this woman who said that to me. And still today, I still remember some negative words that someone said to me. Maybe you have some of those words that someone said to you that have just affected you, or they have, they have these opportunities that will come up and affect you. They'll, they'll come up and, and just bring up these feelings of resentment in your heart, right? They're, the words have power, both good power and bad power. They have the, the opportunity, they have the power to, to change a life for the better. They have an opportunity to change the life for the worse. They have, they have power, and James is going to talk about the power of words this morning. But before we get into James chapter 3, which if you want to flip ahead there, you can. It's on page uh, 855 in our Pew Bibles. We're going to start at verse 1 in James chapter 3 today. Before we get there, I, this isn't just something that James is talking about. Not only, James isn't the only one in Scripture that talks about the power of words. You can't read Scripture and not see the power of words. Starting in the beginning. In the beginning. God created the heavens and the earth. And God said, let there be light. And there was light. And God said, let there be night and day. And there was night and day. And God said, let there be seas and let there be dry land. And there was, God spoke these things into existence, right? We read in the Psalms of how God spoke the the universe into existence. He breathed the stars into existence, right? The power of God's words. God's words have the power to bring life. Two chapters later, we read some other words from from someone else in Genesis chapter 3, the words of Satan. And Satan actually speaks in Genesis chapter 3, and he says, did God really say that you shouldn't eat from this tree? 
Well, yes, God really did say that, right? But, but the words of, of the evil one, the words of Satan, are not life-giving. They're not life-bringing, right? They, they're there to cause doubt. They're there to cause division. They're there to, to, to put a, something in the middle, put a wedge in between you and God. We get to the words of Jesus in the Gospels. In the words of Jesus, Lazarus, come out. And Lazarus wakes up from the dead and walks out, right? We see, uh, you know, get up and walk. We see people healed from the words of Jesus. We see, once again, the words of God having just life-giving power. And we see the words of the evil one not, not giving life, but, but tearing down and causing divisions and building walls. These are the diff- this is the power of words even in Scripture and all throughout Scripture, there's a, there's, a, there's a thread, there's a paper to be written here about the power of words in Scripture here between the, the, the God's life-giving words and, and the, the divisive words of the evil one that we find all throughout Scripture. And so James begins this in chapter 3 to talk about not just God's words or Satan's word, but, but the power of our words. What, what kind of power do, do our words have? So James chapter 3. Starting at verse 1. Not many of you should become teachers, my fellow believers, because you know that we who teach will be judged more strictly. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect, able to keep their whole body in check. When we put bits into the mouths of horses to make them obey us, we can turn the whole animal. Or take ships as an example. Although they are so large and driven by strong winds, they are steered by a very small rudder wherever the pilot wants to go. Likewise, the tongue is a small part of the body, but it makes great boasts. Consider what a great forest is set on fire by a small spark. The tongue also is a fire, a world of evil among the parts of the body. It corrupts the whole body, sets the whole course of one's life on fire and is itself set on fire by hell. All kinds of animals, birds, reptiles, and sea creatures are being tamed and have been tamed by mankind, but no human being can tame the tongue. It's a restless evil, full of deadly poison. With the tongue we praise our Lord and Father, and with it we curse human beings who have been made in God's likeness. Out of the same mouth come praise and cursing. My brothers and sisters, this should not be. Can both fresh water and salt water flow from the same spring? My brothers and sisters, can a fig tree bear olives or a grapevine bear figs? Neither can a salt spring produce fresh water. Now I think James here in this passage is is reminding us of some things that we know about our words. Right? First of all, we know that our words have impact. I just gave you two real life examples from my life about the impact that words can have. See, words can, can at the very outset seem very small and insignificant. Right? But, but, but they have impact. Right? He, James even uses some metaphors here. He talks about the, uh, this horse. You put a bit in a horse's mouth. You put this, this tiny piece of something in the horse's mouth and you can then control this thousand pound plus animal just by this, this tiny piece that you put into his mouth. Talks about a ship and a rudder, right? This this rudder that is that is in the back and the bottom of, of a ship. This it's not very big in a lot of cases. 
But this little thing in the back of a ship can, can steer your ship. It can make sure you get to the right place. Right? You try and go in without a rudder. It's going to be, going to be a little difficult. Right? And he talks about a fire, and all you need to do is, is go outside and look up to the mountains, and you'll see yeah, a small spark can cause great, great tragedy. Right? There, there, are, there are many people today who are, who are out of homes and out of work because of, because of fire that starts just a small spark. Right? We, we don't need to be told the, the power of this fire. I don't think we can underestimate the power of words. It can have incredible possibilities, good and bad. Our words can have incredible possibilities, but, and, and they can have incredible impact, both good and bad. James is reminding us of that with these metaphors here. He's also rem- reminding us that our, that our words can really set the tone for the rest of our lives. Right? You go back to, to verse 2. We all stumble in many ways. Anyone who is never at fault in what they say is perfect and able to keep their whole body in check. Now this word perfect here is used elsewhere in James, but it's not, it's not translated as perfect. It's translated as mature or complete. Right? Sometimes I think we, sometimes we see in Scripture this word perfect, and we're like, no one can be perfect, right? And we just discount it right away. But James is talking about a, a maturity here. He's talking about a mature, complete faith here that is able to, to hold its tongue. Right? It's used elsewhere in James, like I said. And, and words are, are kind of like a thermometer. Right? Words are kind of like a thermometer. You want to know how you're doing spiritually? Listen to the words that you say. Listen to the words that you say. I told you a couple weeks ago that we were going to talk about words again today. And I said, just be listening to the words that you're saying. I hope you've done that. I hope you've paid attention to the words that you say. Words are like a thermometer. If you want to know how you're doing spiritually, you listen to how you speak to others and about others. But I think words, what James is saying here, not only can words be a a thermometer, they can be a thermostat as well. Right? He's saying, hey, if you're, if you're able to, to control your tongue, you're, you're going to be able to control your whole body as well. You're going to be able to control everything. If you can control your tongue, you're going to be able to control everything as well. If you want to live your life in a way that is God-honoring, start with your words. Make sure that the words that are coming out of your mouth are good, are good words, that they're encouraging words. I think if you can control that, James say, then all other parts come together. James is also reminding us that these, these words have the power to destroy. I think that's the only thing you can get from this, this metaphor about the fire. All right, our words have the power to destroy. And there really there's two types of kind of these words that destroy, right? There's this dishonest words, these lying, lying. Lying is a great way to destroy any relationship. And even after the fact, there, there can be forgiveness in this relationship. There can, I forgive you for lying to me. But, but even after that, there's a piece of that trust that was there that is now missing. And a lot of times it's hard for someone, once they've been lied to, to give back that piece of trust. To say, to, to not, and not even just to say like, I still remember that lie that you told me. I'm still mad about it. Right? You don't have to be mad about it. You can forgive them for it. But just there's a remembrance there. Our, we're not dumb as human beings. We know people who have hurt us. And our natural response to people that have hurt us is to not let them do it again. 
And so when we get lied to or when we lie to other people, even though that relationship might be able to, to come back together, that trust is gone. And it may never fully come back. Right? Lying, lying is a great way to destroy any relationship, any relationship. And not even just lying, but another kind of word, slanderous words. Words in which you're talking about other people. Now, maybe not a direct attack on someone else, but but you're talking to someone about someone else. These words also have the power to destroy. The power to just destroy relationships or, or destroy anything. And the funny thing is, is our world has a thirst for this. We thrive on hearing about other people. Think about that. I think a, a, a pretty good case can be made that the reason our president won his party's nomination is because of this. People liked to hear what he was saying about other people. They gravitated to it. They enjoyed it. We, we as a culture, we love this stuff. We, we love it. But the call of Christ is to be countercultural, especially in this area. We cannot be people who slander. We cannot be people who talk about other people. And not only can we not be people who talk about other people, we cannot be people who tolerate other people talking about other people, especially in the church. Here's a great way to shut this down. Are you ready? Just some practical advice this morning. Way to shut down some slander. Someone's talking to you about someone else and you get to say to them, have you talked to them about that? Automatically done. Conversation's done. Well, no, I haven't talked to them about that. You should talk to them about that. Yeah, maybe you're right. Chances are they probably don't talk to them about that. But you've at least given them, planted a seed in their mind like, yeah, maybe that was wrong. Maybe I shouldn't have been doing that. We need to be people, especially in the church, who who don't use our words to hurt other people and don't use our words to, to insult other people or talk badly about other people or give people a bad image in someone else's mind. We need to be careful with our words and how we use our words. This is the call of Christ in our lives. And, and even in Matthew 18, right? Even when I was just saying that practical example, if you have a problem with someone, go to them. Talk to them about it. Don't talk to everyone else about it, right? We need to be people, even in Scripture. We're given an example in Matthew chapter 18 about how to deal with something. If we're thinking something badly about someone else, we go to that person. We don't go to their friend and say, hey, have you heard this and that and that? And We have a responsibility not to be people of slander. And not to be people of gossip. And not to be people who lie. So what should our words do? As people who follow Christ. As people who who claim to have this faith in God. Who claim to have this faith in Christ. What should our words look like? What should our words do? Well, first of all, I think James gives us a, a pretty decent idea of where he's going with this. And who he's speaking to here. All right, we read verses 9 through 9 through 12, and here's what he says. With the tongue, we praise our Lord and Father. 
We'll stop right there. I think that's an important thing that we need to do with our words. We need to be people who praise our Lord and Father. We need to be people who, who bless God, who praise God. You go through the Psalms, and, and all throughout the Psalms, you read things like this in Psalm 134. Praise the Lord, all you servants of the Lord, who minister by night in the house. and Lift up your hands in the sanctuary and praise the Lord. Psalm 135, praise the Lord, praise the name of the Lord, praise him, you servants of the Lord, you who, who minister in the house of the Lord, in the courts, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praise to his name, for that is pleasant. You even, just Psalm 150, right? You go over to Psalm 150, praise the Lord, praise God in his sanctuary, praise him in his mighty heavens, praise him for his acts of power, praise him for his surpassing greatness. Praise him with the sounding of the trumpet. Praise him with the harp and the lyre. Praise him with timbrel and dancing. Praise him with strings and pipe. Praise him with the clash of cymbals. Praise him with resounding cymbals. Let everything that has breath praise the Lord. All right, we see this all throughout the Psalms, all throughout a lot of the Scripture, people praising God. This is what we should be doing with our words. We should be praising God. And can I tell you something this morning? God loves to hear the praise of his people. God loves to hear the praise of his people. He absolutely loves it. When you and I, we come to this sanctuary and we lift up our hands and we lift up our voices together and we sing, hey, Christ alone, you are our cornerstone. And we sing all these different songs. We, we're just praising God. We're lifting up God. This is what our voices and our words should do. We should be able to praise God with our words. And God loves to hear praises from his people. How do I know that? Well, God is a father, and we are his children. I'm a father, and I love to hear when my kids come to me and just say, thank you. Or just say, Daddy, you're awesome. My son calls his chin his beard because he wants to be like me. I love that. Right? God loves to hear the praises of his people. Amen. We should use our voices, we should use our words to praise God. Here's a story in Luke chapter 17. You don't have to turn there, but you can turn there. <coughs> Jesus is, uh, well, I'll just read it, 17 chapter, verse 11. Luke 17, verse 11. Now on his way to Jerusalem, Jesus traveled along the border between Samaria and Galilee. As he was going into a village, ten men who had leprosy met him. They stood at a distance and called out in a loud voice, Jesus, Master, have pity on us. When he saw them, he said, go and show yourselves to the priests. And as they went, they were cleansed. One of them, when he saw he was healed, came back, praising God in a loud voice. He threw himself at Jesus' feet and thanked him, and he was a Samaritan. Jesus asked, were not all ten cleansed? Where are the other nine? Has no one returned to give praise to God except this foreigner? Then he said to him, rise and go, your faith has healed you. Now, I, I think about this story, and I think about sometimes we just, 
we just forget to use our words to praise God for all that he has done in our lives. It might not be as drastic as being healed from leprosy. But man, God has done some amazing things in our lives. And sometimes we just forget to say thanks. Forget to give God the praise for this. I I see myself in this story a lot. I see myself not in the one who comes back to give praise, but in the nine who are just so excited that God answered this prayer that they're just going to go and just be excited. Sometimes I just forget that, man, God, you are so good. God, you you are amazing. I can't believe that you did this for me. Thank you so much. And we fall at the feet of Jesus like this one Samaritan does, and we just, we just praise him and we thank him. This is, these are what our words should be doing. Our words should give praise to God. Our words should praise him. But here's the other thing. Not only do our words need to praise God and, and bless God, our words need to bless others. Now, through the rest of verses 9 through 12, you're going to hear you know, out of the same mouth, we praise God, but we curse other human beings. And, and James is, is saying, calling people out of this. They're saying, this, this is not the way this should be. I, I just want to say this morning, things like this don't just get written in letters just to write in letters. Right? James is obviously writing to a community here who is struggling with this. Who is struggling with, 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 with using their words in the correct way when it comes to other people. Right, they come and they they come to church and they they come to they gather together and they they give their praise to God. They 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 make sure they're giving their praise to God, but but apparently they're they're using their words toward other people to hurt one another, to curse one another. And James is saying this is not the way that this should be. Our words should be used to bless each other, to encourage one another. Right, this is this is how our words should be used to to edify one another, to build up one another. Right, so, so just, just three ways that we, can, that, we can, that we can bless other people this morning. Here's the first one. Confess to one another. We're going to talk about this again in James chapter 5 in a few weeks. Confess to one another. Be open and honest with each other. Now this is, this is definitely one of the hardest things to do, I think, is to confess with someone else in your community. But I think if we're going to, to be a blessing to other people, we need to confess to one another. Here's, here's what happens. When I confess to you, what am I saying to you? I'm saying, I trust you. I'm saying, we're in this together, I need you. Right? Confession is more than just saying, hey, this is what I'm struggling with. Hey, this is what I did wrong, I need to get this off my chest. Right? You don't just do that to any, old, any, any person. You don't just say something like that to anybody. You, you say that to someone that you trust, someone that you know that can hold you accountable. And this is, this is what I mean by, by blessing each other, by confessing to one another. It's one thing to be told that someone trusts me. It's quite another thing to be shown that someone trusts me. We need to be able to confess, confess to one another. And it helps 
Even, and, and what it does is when we're open to that, when we're open and honest with each other and to what God is saying in our lives and what God is moving in our lives, it, it brings healing not only to our own lives, but it creates this community of healing and health where, where we're, we're able to, to be vulnerable together. We're able to be open together and honest together, and it helps remind other people that they're not alone. This is how we use our words to bless one another. That sounds like a weird one, I know. How am I going to bless someone by, by confessing my sin to them? I don't understand this, Pastor Chris, but just look deeper than that. Look at what, look at what the act of confessing is doing. It's building up this community, and it's building us into a, a community of health and, and wholeness and restoration. And, that, and just, just letting someone know that, hey, I trust you. Or letting someone know, hey, you're not alone in this. Man, that can be so, so important to people's lives. Our words can bless others if we confess to one another. Here's another way we can, we can bless one another. is by praying for one another. Now, there's a lot I could say here about praying for one another. But, but here's, the, here's the thing, right? It's going to be hard to curse someone if you are genuinely praying for them at the same time. Amen. It's going to be hard to be negative about someone if you're genuinely praying for them at the same time. Amen. I'm not talking about like, there, I think there was a song maybe like eight years ago that was like, I pray for you, I pray that you'll you know, get hit by a bus and I'll pray that you, you know, just these prayers that was like, I'll pray for you, you know. And sometimes we even like, we'll, we'll casually say like, yeah, I'll, I'll, I'll pray for you. But we know, like, that just sucks to be you, is what we're trying to say, right? I'll, I'll pray for you. But, but when you're genuinely praying for someone, it's hard to be negative at the same time about that person. It's hard to hold feelings of bitterness towards that person. And so if we're going to use our words not to bring each other down, but to build each other up, we need to genuinely be praying for one another. And, and, and genuine prayer really does. It softens your heart to that person. You begin to truly care about that person. You begin to truly care about what happens in their lives. You begin to truly care about what God is shaping them to be. You begin to truly care about that person. Amen. That your words are, are literally building someone up in Christ. Yes. Right, we need to pray for one another to bless one another. And here's the, the last thing we need to encourage one another. Encourage one another. 1 Thessalonians 5.11. This is one you can underline in your Bible if you haven't already. Here's what it says. Therefore, encourage one another and build each other up. And I love this because he's talking to the church in Thessalonica here and he ends with this, just as you are already doing. Therefore, encourage one another, build each other up, just as in fact you are doing. Mark Twain famously said this. He says, I can live... Two months on one good compliment. I think if we, if we encourage one another, if we're intentional about, about speaking words of encouragement to one another and, and being intentional about building someone up in our encouragement, it's a, it can be so huge for someone's life. Right? Some, somewhere along the way, we have <coughs> we've come to this belief that we don't really need affirmation from people. In fact, we, we shouldn't need affirmation from other people because we get all the affirmation we need right here in Scripture, right? We, 
We know what God believes about us. We know about, about what God says about us. I'm affirmed every single time I read this book. I don't need to be affirmed by other people. That just, doesn't that just sound so good? It sounds so spiritual. It does. But man, I don't think if, if we weren't meant to be a community that encourages one another, we wouldn't be encouraged to encourage one another in Scripture. Right? Encourage one another. Be with one another. Lift each other up. Right? These are all phrases that we read in Scripture. We hear this all the time, that we should be people who encourage one another, who, who lift each other up, who affirm one another. Right? And, and, and like I said, of all, of all the places where this should be the case, man, the church should be like the best example of how we encourage one another, lift each other up. In the church, our words should be just, just powerful in speaking into each other's lives. Not to bring each other down, not to be negative about people, but to lift each other up, to edify people, to, to bring them up and to encourage them. This is, this is what our words should be. This is the way in which our words should be used. So, so how do we control our words? If this is what we're supposed to be doing, how do we control it? How do we keep ourselves from not doing that, but, but lifting each other up? How do, we, how do we control what we're saying here? And James has some, some powerful, great words of advice here. Some, some just, just stuff that's just going to encourage you like just, just immensely. Here's what he says about being able to control your tongue. He says, you can't. You can't. Human beings, he says, cannot tame the tongue. This is such a great way to end this sermon, right? Talking about <laughs> being positive and encouraging one another and praying for one another and blessing one another. And, and man, how do I do that, James? Well, you can't. Wah, wah. Right? I mean, this is, this is, this is crazy, but there, there is a solution here, I think. I, I told you a verse a couple weeks ago, Matthew 12, 34. I think it's a beautiful verse. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. Can you tame your tongue? No. Can you change your heart? No. But man, God can move in your heart. God can teach you. God can, God can disciple you. God can can help you as you as you get built up here's the thing we need each other to do this if our hearts are going to be fully grown we need each other we need to be in this book see when our hearts ache for the things that 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 breaks God's heart. When our hearts desire the desires of God, when our hearts are in tune with the heart of God and the Holy Spirit is directing our lives, then our words are going to be words of encouragement. Our words are going to be words that lift each other up. Our words are going to be blessings upon other people this is this is going to be our words because our heart is so in tune with the heart of god that out of the overflow of that the mouth speaks
I told you a couple weeks ago, you want to know how you're doing in your faith. Listen to the words that you're speaking. Listen to the words that come out of your mouth, both about other people, to other people, even to yourself. What words are you speaking? Do you want just a, a thermometer to see how your faith is doing? Listen to your words. Out of the overflow of the heart, the mouth speaks. I love that verse. We need to rely on God, depend on God, live for God, and the words will come. Let's pray. God, God, we love you this morning and we give you thanks and we give you praise for everything that you've brought us, everything that you've blessed us with. God, this morning I, I pray for those in this room and those who will hear this sermon online. God, I pray that we would, we would draw near to you. And that as we draw near to you, as we seek you, as we seek your heart, that our hearts would change. And that as our hearts change, our words would become words that lift each other up and not tear each other down. God, we want to be a community of encouragement. We want to be a community who, who lifts each other up, who prays for each other, who, who blesses each other. God, this is, the, the, this is our desire for our community. We want to be people of, 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 that have a faith that speaks encouragement that speaks truth. God, we give you praise this morning. And we pray that you'd go ahead of us, that you would be in our conversations as we go ahead this week. That each and every conversation we have, whether it be at home, the grocery store, at work, as we go for a walk, Wherever we find ourselves, God, would you just be in these conversations and help us, to, help us to remember the words that we speak and help us to speak encouragement, to build each other up, not tear each other down, God. God, we love you. And we give you praise this morning. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Would you stand with me this morning? As you go, I just want to pray this blessing over you. Just receive this. May the God of grace and love and peace, may he go ahead of you. May he go with you. May he remind you of his words to you in scripture. Words that lift you up and tell you who you are and whose you are. And may you go forward and speak encouragement and positivity to other people. May you lift each other up and speak truth to them. And may you make a difference in the community as you do that. Go in peace. In Jesus' name, amen.